0: everybody welcome to episode 60 of radio 815 the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer director producer jj abrams and his extended bad robot universe i'm matt crandall here as always with my co-host Marcelo Inestroza. we are currently doing a lost rewatch today we are in the end game of lost season five the first episode that we are talking about today is is the season premiere of season five, Because You Left, which aired in January of 2009. This episode doesn't have any sort of specific character flash forward or flashback focus, which is kind of a shift for Lost. But Marcelo, what did you think of Because You Left? And were you hoping to travel back in time and kill Hitler?
1: I have been waiting for an episode like this since we've come to the end game of Lost, I love the way that this episode begins on a clock radio that says 815. So if I don't do a commercial with that clock radio, Matt, you have uh, my permission to kick me the hell off the show. <laughs> this opens up with someone who uh, we have seen in various iterations of Lost by the name of Marvin Kendall. With him waking up and feeding his baby formula, and playing a specific record. That while he is actually uh, brushing his teeth, getting you know getting his morning routine ready, the record skips, and then he actually goes to uh, one of the Dharma stations, station two, and he actually records one of the videos. And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but the guy who is shooting the Dharma video for station two looks a lot like sawyer
0: It he might have bared a striking resemblance to him that's for sure
1: as dr marvin kendall is wrapping up a worker from the dharma initiative rushes in and says listen we have a problem in the orchid when he goes down to the orchid a, a worker tells him that we were drilling in a specific spot and all of a sudden Something weird started to happen to our workers. What Marvin Kendall says is this spot is the key to us being able to control time travel. And the worker says, but sir, there's something underneath the initial rock layer. This worker shows him a photo and in the photo is the picture of the wheel. But that's not the stinger. Marvin Kendall says, I don't care if we go any further god knows what can happen so marvin kendall walks off and this specific worker guy who looks like he's carrying a can of compressed air walks by marvin kendall and almost actually bumps into him he walks up and he looks up to the camera it's daniel
0: yeah the opening was one of the best parts of this episode and what i loved is that lost loves a recurring motif you know, there are so many episodes that start with an eye opening, but they've actually. The season two premiere starts with Desmond listening to a record in the hatch, and it seems like an everyday thing before we find out we are in the hatch and this is on island. Season three starts in a setting that feels like an everyday occurrence with Juliet doing housework, listening to music, going about, then we find out we're on island. So now season five opens with that Groundhog Day-esque shot of the clock turning from 8.14 a.m. to 8.15, which is great. A man gets up, seemingly starts doing normal stuff, puts on a record as he's doing his chores. Again, the same as those openings for season two and three. So we're doing that same thing again. And then when they reveal that it is the guy that we have come to know as many aliases, Marvin Chang, or Pierre Chang, Marvin Candle, um, And the record starts skipping, which is something that comes back into play later. So that was intentional. And he goes and he starts filming that orientation film for orientation video two. And I just love that. Okay. So Lost has again decided to start the season in like a weird, we're following somebody unexpected. This is in the past. This is in the seventies. And we're seeing all this. And as he goes into the orchid and has that conversation about the thing that they were trying to drill into being the ultimate source of power, something that they can't mess with. And this unimaginable power that if it is harnessed, will give you the ability to manipulate time goes to some of those ideas that were thrown at us in the finale last year. So I thought that was very intriguing. And. In that moment where the the foreman says like, oh, so you'll be able to go back and kill Hitler. And he says, no, do not be absurd. There are rules that cannot be broken. You can go back, you can go forward, but you can't change things. And that is something that Lost has kind of been pushing as its time travel agenda since they introduced the concept, especially with Desmond and when he has that talk with Eloise Hawking, where she said that you didn't do this, so you can't do this. We kind of know that in the lost universe, that is part of the established time travel canon. And the doctor Pierre Chang uh, enforces that by saying that in that opening. And then the moment where he bumps into the worker and he looks up and it's Daniel Faraday is such a holy shit. How is Daniel Faraday in 1977 When last time we saw him, he was hanging out on the island is a great, oh my God, what is happening opening before we start shifting into the picking up the pieces from the end of last year and moving forward. So I thought in terms of before the title card, what the hell, this was another great what the absolute hell is happening season opener of lost those first 10 minutes just knock you on your ass. And then. Slowly, you can dust yourself off as the rest of the episode plays out.
1: Right after those initial 10 minutes, when, you know, when we pick up with uh, the story uh, with Locke and the others. After the initial white flash, the others are gone. Their camp, everything is gone. And Locke starts looking for someone. And he comes upon someone rather interesting in the middle of the jungle. Our favorite Canadian, Ethan. Locke tries to explain to Ethan, Look, Benjamin Linus told me to take care of you guys. But I'm paraphrasing. When, when Locke tries to explain himself to Ethan, Ethan goes, I don't believe you. And right before Ethan tries to shoot Locke, Another flash of light. In that particular scene, the motif that we saw at the beginning of the episode of the skipping record starts to make more and more sense. We are not only possibly in the 1970s, but maybe when Ben moved the island, he didn't move it only one time. Or maybe the island is like a record that keeps skipping.
0: That's what Faraday tells us in a. They put the scene, thankfully, pretty early in the episode because Sawyer is like, dude, what is happening? And we find out that Faraday and some of the people who were on a boat were within the radius of the island being moved. So they came with it. And he says, look, what happened is that the island has been dislodged in time and it is like a record that is skipping over and over but as it's every time it's skipping it's jumping through time so you know everyone here is accounted for sawyer says well except one person john Locke," but the camp disappears because the camp hasn't been built yet and they are unsure of what time they are in and every time there's a white flash they're in a new time so i thought This analogy of this skipping record and explaining to us that the island is now basically unhinged in time was was cool and an easy way for us to understand that concept as weird as it is. And I did love that John Locke, he is on his own dislodged in time, whereas everybody else is kind of huddled together now and can make sense of it together. Locke is on his own and he sees the plane that the drug runners were using crash. And I thought that was cool because now we know how far back roughly John is, um, compared to, you know, we know Faraday goes as far back as the seventies. This plane thing didn't happen that long ago because Echo's brother Yemi is on the plane. And that was only, you know, a few years at best. And then when Ethan came out of the jungle, I love that moment. It was so great to have Ethan back again. And then as he is about to shoot John, there's a white flash again and Locke sees the white flash, but Ethan doesn't react to it. So somehow only the people who were dislodged at the same time that the island was dislodged can see that this white flash time skipping is even happening. And everybody else that they encounter who is in their time period doesn't necessarily know that anything weird is happening. So I thought that was really cool. And of course, then Locke skips to a point where he runs in with Richard and Richard helps take a bullet out of his leg and gives him a compass that he says, next time I see you give this to me and I won't recognize you. But this is what you have to do, which, of course, we know when Richard visited John Locke as a kid and said, which of these items belongs to you? And Locke picked the knife. He was supposed to pick the compass. And Richard is the one who tells him that in order to fix everything, everyone has to come back to the island. And in order for that to take place you will have to die.
1: I still don't think that John is a brave enough person to do that. John, I think, is still under the impression that he is special. He is special, but I don't think that he will be able to go that far. And if he does, someone or something is going to have to push him to that. You mentioned Daniel and a bunch of other the were in the initial radius of the first flash. People within the radius of the island aren't affected when the island moves or when the island skips. But people who weren't in the radius of the island when it moved, they have an interesting reaction. There's a specific scene in the jungle with uh, Daniel and uh, Scarlett. She starts to bleed from her nose. And I'm like, okay, so is she going to die now? Because in the first sequence of this episode, the the woman who is being carted off on a stretcher, I thought, wait a minute, is that Scarlett? It
0: might have been. And I, I was trying to remember, I feel like Charlotte has had a nosebleed one other time. So I don't know. I'm not sure what's happening with her but I know that you don't like her. So if she were to die, I'm sure you'd be happy. The off Island stuff continues to be really interesting, but also what this episode kind of shows and will be up for debate is that because Jack, Kate, Saeed Hurley are off Island and their scenes that we are currently like caught up with are that three years in the future I don't know that they're going to be on the show as much because they only each get like a small scene. But Jack and Ben continue to discuss what they have to do to get everyone to get back together. That was interesting. Hurley and Saeed on the run because people think that Hurley is a murderer was great. And there's a funny bit where they get fast food and then they go back to the safe house and Saeed sees that the safe house has been broken into. There's a big skirmish. And even though Hurley doesn't do anything, people end up getting a picture of him where it looks like he's covered in blood, holding a gun after he just murdered more people. Uh, and it was just catch up on Hurley. And I thought that was really, really funny. Cause we know that Hurley would never be like some sort of serial murderer, but the narrative, the media is going to spin is that Hurley is on some sort of demented killing spree. So I love that. The most interesting off-island stuff for me was Kate gets a knock on the door and a lawyer shows up and says, I'm here because the courts have ordered a blood test to see if Aaron is actually your son. And she says, "Who, who put you up to this? And they said, I can't tell you. So someone out there is on to the fact that Kate is lying about Aaron. And that was super interesting and really starts to get the wheels turning about who this could be and why. And then, of course, there is a scene with son and Charles Widmore, which have been the pair. They've had a couple of meetings now where (laughs) Charles Widmore is really slow on the uptake, Because every scene that they've had in the future together so far has been Sun saying, like, our interests align. We should work together even though I hate you. And Charles being like, I don't understand. Why would our interests align? And so in this, she explicitly says, because I want to kill Ben, you dumb fuck. So help me help you. And I thought that was good because it's been annoying to me that she's had a couple of meetings with Charles where, like, nobody has said exactly the thing. And in this, she's like, This is it, man. Like, I want to kill this bastard. Are you going to help me or not?
1: I, like you, the most uh, interesting aspect of the future stuff was the fact that someone uh, put these guys up or these lawyers up to confronting Kate and asking her for a blood sample as a way to prove that she is Aaron's mother. And at first glance, I was like, Okay, it has to be Ben, because Ben said to Jack last week, I have an idea of how to get everyone that we need to get back on that plane. Right. I have my ways. So I initially thought that, you know, this has Benjamin Linus written all over it. But until you said that you were sick and tired of the way that son and Charles Whitmore interact with you, interact with one another and you're sick of the way that he is unable to fully grasp the concept of what Son wants, I was like, wait a minute. Son doesn't hate her group of losses. The man that she thinks is truly responsible for her husband's death, or so we think, is Benjamin Linus. And I was like, okay. So if she thinks that, then why would she possibly uh, be in charge of these men who are asking for Kate's... Uh, blood, in an effort to confirm something. Okay, it's still 50-50. It's either Ben or Son, or somebody else that I haven't even thought of yet.
0: They leave it up in the air, and I know that we eventually will find out, and there's a couple of red herrings and twists and turns coming up, but at this point, yeah, there's so many people, it could be, that we start to wonder, like, who who is onto them, and did they do anything to tip their hand?
1: Uh, when... Saeed and Hurley are on their little adventure. Saeed says that he's not working with Benjamin Linus anymore. Hey, did I miss something? If he's not working with Benjamin Linus anymore, who is he working with?
0: He does say he has been working for Ben, but he has that great line where he says to Hurley, if Linus ever tells you to do anything, do the exact opposite. We got to talk about is the Desmond of it all because Desmond, as we have seen in the past has been a man whose consciousness has been untethered in time and he found his constant, um, in Penny, but we see him and Faraday have a run in on the Island as the flashes are happening. Now they go to the hatch and that's how it all happens where, Sawyer tries to get into the hatch and Faraday tells him, you won't be able to because you didn't meet Desmond. So it's a lost cause. Don't worry about it. Faraday goes back and he gets Desmond to open the door and he comes out and he tells Desmond that he is special and he can help them because the rules don't apply to him. Desmond is somehow special in his time manipulation or whatever it is. And Daniel tells him, you have to find my mother at Oxford. And he's about to say his mom's name when another time shift starts happening. And Desmond reacts to the shift because he can he's one of the only ones who can actually see that this is happening. But I love that Faraday tells him, like, you got to track down my mom. My mom's name is. And then there's the flash and we don't get the name. And then we go to penny and desmond together and desmond is kind of waking up and penny tells him it might have been a dream and desmond saying no no it it was real i have to go and find daniel's mother and that was super intriguing and at this point i know back when this aired my mind was racing and starting to think is it possible that the person that daniel is talking about is the woman that Desmond has already had a weird time encounter with. Now, they haven't explicitly said that, and so it could go any way, but that was what was racing through my mind as Daniel was about to tell us about his mom, and especially when the flash happened before he could say the name, implying it would be a name that we would recognize. What did you think in those moments, Marcelo?
1: No way. I did not even consider that. I really, really love that The Lost Riders decided, perhaps when they first introduced Desmond, that Desmond was going to be basically the time-traveling golden goose, the, the, the guy who wasn't going to get stuck by all of this time-travel shenanigans. But also, that makes uh, the Penny and Desmond story really sad. If I'm being honest, I would have really, really preferred for Desmond to just sort of, after all he's been through... I'm like, dude, if you have a, you know, if you have a dream of a conversation that you have with Daniel and Daniel tells you that you're special, that you're the only one that can, that, that can help everyone, 50% of me would say, okay, but 90% of me would want to stay with the love of my life. Desmond and Penny are the Romeo and Juliet of the lost universe. God damn it, why can't this be like a good Romeo and Juliet? Why can't they just stay where they are and stay happy? But if Desmond doesn't do what he what he does or what he's going to do, perhaps the story would have been different. The, the hopeless romantic in me is saying, no, 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 don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But the mystery-loving fan in me is saying, you have to do this because if you don't do this, You know, uh, the the story that is cooking up here could potentially collapse under its own weight. Right. It seems like
0: he has some sort of responsibility and it is a shame that he's going to have to step away from this relationship for a minute that he has worked so hard to regain. But hopefully this is not actually a Romeo and Juliet and they both don't die in the end. But we will see as we continue to make our way through season five of lost. So if any of you are watching along with us, as we continue on this journey, the homework for next week is episodes two, three, and four of the fifth season of lost. If you guys have any questions or comments, please reach out to us on Twitter at JJ universe, eight, one five, or use the hashtag radio, eight, one five. If you have any direct questions for me, I am on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, Twitter's a good spot to reach you. Where can they do that?
1: You can also reach me on Twitter, as Matt just said. I'm at CreekFanatic88.
0: Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, review, tell your friends. We appreciate it all. Until next week, Radio 815 over and out.